When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Greetings and welcome to episode 96 of By the Balls. John Davidson with you. And for this episode, uh, it's a very Wigan-themed episode. We're going to be talking about Wigan Athletic, the the issues and the drama there. Uh, and we're going to be talking about the Wigan Warriors, their involvement uh, in trying to buy Wigan Athletic, and also what's happening at that club in terms of the John Bateman signing and, and player recruitment for 2021. Um, and to do that, our special guest joining us is Phil Wilkinson, the sports editor of the Wigan Observer, Wigan Today website, the Wigan Post. Uh, I think that's all the titles. Phil, how are you? Oh, mate, I'm very relaxed and very relaxed and chilled out. It's very quiet in the Wigan area on the sports scene, <laughs> but as you can imagine. <laughs> so, yeah, there's, there's been a bit a bit happening last week or, or two. Um, yeah, it's, it's all gone crazy. Mate, it's been absolutely manic, hasn't it? Obviously, the Warriors with um, the recruitment of John Bateman, still no rugby league action. We're waiting for the, uh, still waiting on details of that. But but just with what's happened with Wigan Athletic, is uh, Jonathan Jackson, the chief executive, described it as the worst week of the club's history, and it's it's hard to um, it's hard to disagree. As much as people are uh, finding optimism about the future, it's still. You know, worrying and such a shock as well, John. Nobody foresaw this. We knew there was a press conference last Wednesday, twelve thirty. Honestly, we had no clue what it was about. We, we, we were guessing whether it was, you know, Paul Cook a contract extension uh, being poached by another club. No idea. It just took everyone away. Yeah, I mean, what's we're recording this on on Thursday afternoon, the the ninth of July. What's the latest? Now, obviously, the club's gone into administration that no one saw coming. What's the latest at this point in time? There's been no update from the administrators today. They gave a briefing yesterday. Um, they've been, to be honest, giving them quite regularly every other day, really. Um, they've got in 50 or so bids. Um, the administrator expects of those two or three or perhaps four will emerge as serious bidders. As in that they've shown that they can, they've got ten million in the bank, etc. Yep. And then I think he's not put a deadline on it as such because it's it's a it's a loose one. But he wanted to get it all sorted from around July twenty first. So basically, there's another just shy of two weeks in which to, you know to get for everyone to, um, to to line up the bids, and then they will pick out a, um, a preferred bidder. We know the identity of one of those um, is the. So 
Sporting sounds almost a bit too James Bondy, doesn't it? But a, a group <laughs> of people led by Ian Lennigan, obviously the Warriors chairman, um, he he is one of the people interested in buying the club, and and obviously given his profile, given his profile in rugby league, given obviously the the, the politics of, of rugby league and, and Wigan Athletic in the town, it's it's obviously got a lot of attention. I mean, how how did the club end up in administration just a month after being bought? How, how does that happen? Mate, consider this. Five or six days before administration, they yep. gave Joe Garner a new contract. The day earlier or the day later, they met, they extended a contract of, um, of one of the defenders. You know, they're not red flags, are they, for a club who's, who's struggling financially? Yeah, exactly. Oh. We had no complaint. We'd had no phone calls on people who said we've not been paid. You mm. know, the kind, of, the kind of things you'd normally get at a cash-strapped club. Exactly. And it, honestly, but it makes absolutely, for me, zero sense. Even now, and, and, and it's not just me thinking about this. I've spoken to, but, but, you know, but we're going to MP, um, people, the administrators, people at the club, people in football, lawyers, across the board. And I still can't make sense about why you would do this. Because even if you were hell-bent on getting out of there, even if you had no interest and you just wanted a sharp exit, you hang on for three weeks. In that three weeks, you receive £2.4 million in central funding. At the end of the three weeks, you're then able to start selling off your best players. Anthony Robinson was wanted from Milan for £9 million in January. You've got Joe Gelhard in the paper every week being wanted from different Premier League clubs. Mm. There are millions of pounds worth of talent in that squad. Yeah. Not to mention any of the other assets, mate. The freehold training ground they play at and, and things like that. So, train that, sorry. So, it is... From a, even from a very, if you were to take a very cold, calculated financial point of view, it made no sense at all to go into administration. And of course, but we both know, as cynics we are, that just fuels the rumours that, um, that circulated about insider trading and um, and this, this, this bizarre idea that somebody placed a bet on them to be relegated. Yeah, do you, in terms of the, you know, the the reporting that you've done and, and interviewing people, do you think that rumours pretty pretty false and and off the mark in terms of betting on uh, on relegation with a Filipino bookmaker and and obviously that that falling through and hence the um the, the issues have followed you you reckon that's that's bullshit yeah yeah I mean you could all all of those back to the future two moments of thinking wow we were 25 to one to be relegated just 10 days ago um Listen, I can't. I, I, nobody who I've spoken to with any clout or any any serious insight mm. gives it believes it could be true. And and Rick Parry himself, whatever you think of the EFL, Rick Parry made the point yesterday that that anyone who was serious about that could surely be a lot more destructive by being in control of a club and benching the best players or selling the best players yeah. or, or, or or causing havoc any other way by actually be, staying at the club and being in control of it rather than rather than place them into administration. I, I put a call into the Gambling Commission. It never got back to me, but I, I have spoken to other um, people who work high up at bookmakers. They don't have a detailed knowledge of the legalities of the, um, of the system in the Philippines and, 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 and around there, but they said that it's just almost laughable, the idea that that bet could be placed and nobody would find out about it. Yeah, I mean, that's that, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like, um, I obviously know with the 
with the NRL, like they, you know, when when, when there's been uh, match fixing or spot fixing cases, they have red flags when certain bets are made, don't they? And, you know, particularly large sums. And even if it was in the Philippines, you'd think they'd, you know, there'd, there'd be some flags raised. And if you were trying to cover, what, £40 million pound, you'd, um, of investment <laughs> uh, or slash loan, um, even at 25 to 1, you'd be looking, you know, a million and a half. So it's, uh, it, it would... Yeah, you'd be a pretty uh, naive bookmaker to take that one and then still honour it. Yeah, well, what these these owners new uh, they're called Next Leader Fund, which is a great name. Um, mm. From from Hong Kong, what can you tell tell us about them? Set up in January um, from Hong Kong, but registered out of the Cayman Islands. We all know <laughs> <laughs> known for their we due diligence. Know. Yes. Yeah, mate, mate. You you look through these papers, John, and I tell you. It said there's one of them where it shows listed directors' addresses, and it's Hong Kong, Cayman Islands, Wigan, and it's like Del Boy's van, isn't it? You know, <laughs> the old Paris, London. <laughs> it's 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 um, it, it it's just I say it's fishy. Listen, I I don't look at enough of these companies' records on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange to know what's legit what's common practice mm. Wigan, Wigan Athletic itself is made up of five companies you know this is commonplace I imagine at that level for, for companies to um to, to break up and to be registered under different different uh, corporations but one good thing about IEC when it took over remember there was a lot of cynicism then because it's great having Dave Whelan there as a local owner yep millionaire done good bankrolling the, the, the way to the Premier League he obviously wanted out when he got to a certain age there was cynicism because it's foreign ownership and everything that goes with that. But the, the early signs were good, John. IEC is on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, so straight away it gives you that little bit of transparency and credibility. It does, yeah. It, it, if you remember, um, soon after they, they arrived, there was a, a, a new big screen at the DW Stadium. The bars were updated. There was a, a new pitch. You know, they sold um, Will Grigg and Dan Byrne, but then they still invested in that squad that summer, even though they'd lost $9 million. So... All of the early indications were that they were serious, and anyone who had been a bit cynical was was probably, to be honest, won over that they, that they did actually mean business. And we were sold the idea that when it transferred ownership a month ago, so so basically the chairman of IEC is all, was also the majority holder of the other company, Next Leader Fund. Right. So we were sold, and to be honest, I think Wigan Athletic directors were sold the idea that it was just a, a restructure that mm. it's a technicality but you're moving it from one account you're selling it to yourself exchange yeah. you are yeah. but, you know there's that thread of consistency the, the new owner was effectively the old owner too mm. so what was more um the, the water's got a little murkier when a, a director who'd come on board as a minority uh, director he then became uh, in june 24th he he became the uh, sorry, man, the dogs were missing here. Um, right. He became the, the majority shareholder in Next Leader Fund on June twenty fourth. Right. So that's where it gets a little, a little, um, a little murky. And then, and Next Leader Fund are blaming COVID for the for the administration for the for the financial situation. Uh, yeah, that well. See, you got to remember that was June 24th, so we were very much deep into the pandemic. So for a start, that mm. excuse is just laughable. This isn't, if this is a guy you've been in charge for two years and his other business interests have been hit by COVID, then you could almost, 
you can see some waves to that, you know. Um, so that idea is laughable. But you, you're right. What you pointed to there is, um, oh, young, this guy who became the majority owner, effectively, his... We were contacted two days ago by a PR company out of London um, with just a brief statement from him um, blaming the COVID and, and wishing the club all the success in the world. Look, it's, it, it just did nothing. If it, if it was a, if he was trying to salvage his reputation, it did absolutely nothing for it. Mm. Um, but 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 here we are, mate. And and just to, to, to reiterate what I said before, the day after this guy took over. Um, Joe Garner signed a new deal. Leon Balogun got his contract extended. Um, the day after that, the day after that, there's been a Hong Kong football consultant. Um, ever since IEC's been there, they've had this Hong Kong football consultant. Now, you could say that, listen, it's owned by a company in Hong Kong, so fair enough, they want their own eyes on the ground. Right, fair enough. He was at the game when they beat Blackburn 2-0. So, we're, we're a... It, on earth is there a red flag but there isn't one and then mm. three days later they beat Stoke it looked like um, it looked like hey oh, no no relegation fears now and and then the following lunchtime we're told that they're in administration and I've spoken to Jonathan Jackson the, the chief executive he said he was stunned he was shocked they were planning for next season before they'd be staying up everything that, that they've worked for you know they were just in pieces when they were told. They had absolutely no no inkling this was coming. Mm. And uh, it, it raises questions too. Obviously, when that that takeover or sale, you know, to essentially as you as you've said, from you know the owner to himself, how that got approved by the AFL and the you know the kind of um, proper persons test that, that that they go through. Obviously, they they're investigating or the AFL is EFL is investigating the whole thing now, aren't they? Yeah, my colleague Paul Paul Kendrick, you know, he he spoke to um, Rick Parry, the chair of the EFL, yesterday, and Rick Parry was defending the EFL's position. Just said, look, they're not Interpol; they, they don't have the resources to, <laughs> to to do this. I mean, I've read that document of what is is. I think it's called Owners and Directors um, Test. Now, um, I've read what what it is. What, you know, what you have to be to excluded from that, and and to the letter of that test, they did everything right because. The guy had money in the bank, mm. and there was no, no, no black marks against his name in terms of criminality and things like that. Somebody since actually done some research and discovered that he had been uh, bankrupt once before, but but that had been expunged, uh, but kind of run its course, and that doesn't really rule you out of um, necessarily rule you out of owning a football club. But but the point is, John, that if if that's the test and he passes with fine colours. But that test needs overhauling. Mm. Because, you know, proof of funds, mate, mate that's ridiculous. I, you know, it, that does not prove that, it doesn't cover you for any future actions, does it? It's like breathalyzing me now, saying, oh, yeah, you're fit to drive a car. But that doesn't stop me from going out tomorrow night getting smashed and driving it. It's, it's ludicrous, mate. It's just not a fit, fit test. Yeah. And, 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 and if you're a loss-making club, especially, my view is, but you need to put up a bond. And I'm not, you know, a few people have, have said this. And as, certainly if you're a loss-making club, and perhaps even more so if it's been operated, you know, from the shadows of, of the Cayman Islands Corporation via Hong Kong, I think, I don't think it's unreasonable to ask these people to put up a bond. But, but you 
know, it's still about money, mate, at the end of the day, but mm. it just protects the club or it gives that club that, that degree of protection to stop stop something happening like what's happened to Wigan Athletic. Well, considering what we've seen um, last year with, with Bolton Wanderers and with uh, with Berry and, you know, yeah. countless other clubs, is it just, I guess, more evidence that the model essentially is 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 wrong um particularly in well not just football you, you could say it is in rugby league as well but the whole the whole model seems very unstable you've got you know clubs spending you know too much or, or the costs are too much for for what they can survive yeah i mean it is it, it listen it's across, across the board isn't it? it it seems it does seem daft i mean but that's just football, isn't it? And I, and I know why they do it. They're obviously chasing the, um, they're obviously chasing the dream. But if you're mm. consistently losing money, if you're spending for every pound you earn, if you're spending one pound five on players' wages, then it's not. It doesn't look like it's um, a healthy model. Exactly. A healthy model for survival. The only thing I'd say in in Wigan's defence, in the case of, of Latix, is they have assets. Obviously, the DW Stadium. Uh, the property next door, two training grounds, a community trust. But if you think about, I think last year they lost just over nine million. If they were on a first similar loss this year, if that Anthony Robinson deal had gone through in January, then that's a break even, and yeah. that's paying championship wages. So I can see why they're an attractive proposition. I can see why Ian Lennigan um, and, and his group, and I can see why many others would be interested in getting into Wigan Athletic. Look, many people, from the administrator down to uh, David Sharp, the former chairman, have questioned whether, you know, at what level it should be playing at. And certainly, you know, being at League One from a restructuring point of view has an appeal because it's a low... Low uh, cost you know, you're paying, base. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're, paying yeah. Lo- you're paying a lot lower cost. But they've got not only the, the, the talent within the squad, their academy is fantastic. But I think they've got four or five England internationals at, at junior level, you know. I mean, Joe Gelhart, I mentioned him already. They've got so many good young players coming through that are being coveted by top, top clubs. And mm. so if you if, if you can not only get your players from that academy, but also then start selling some of those players, and, and I don't think you should be ashamed to say that because... I think if you're a club who don't do that, it kind of puts youngsters off coming to you. If you know, if you're a young player and Wigan Athletic come to you, and you know that they won't be awkward and block your path if a Liverpool or an Everton come in for you, I'm thinking Leighton Baines came through that system and um, and, and went to Everton. I, I think it's um, you know, I think it's, it's something that can work in your favour, and I think that is why, you know. You mentioned Berry and Bolton, and, and, and I've just seen today Blackpool, they've lost them in millions. I've just seen, obviously, Wigan's the mess that Wigan are in. You can see and, and say, why on earth would anyone want to get involved in a football club? But, but <laughs> in the case of Wigan, I really can see an attraction there. I can see somebody taking over that club. I mean, certainly, uh, I, I keep going back to Ian Lennigan, but if he had it, obviously he has the interest with the Warriors too, so he's paying rent on that ground anyway. Yeah, and, I mean, and, and and it's never. I don't know if you sense this when you go there, mate, but I sense compared to other grounds, it's never really fulfilled its potential. You know, you go there, you go to other grounds in the week, even when there's no match on, and there's there's activity, there's things going on, there's things being used more, and, and the DW Stadium just doesn't seem to have that same that same vibe about it. So, 
you know, it, it, we talk about the football club, but the DW Stadium itself has that attraction of trying to fulfil that potential and um, and try and, and, and open up some revenue streams that way. Yeah, it's it's definitely something some clubs, sports clubs, seem to do better than others. I know, obviously, Hull KR, they, they have a lot of concerts, which brings in a lot of revenue, which obviously at, at the moment with COVID they've lost, but, you know, and the same with Headingley, um, obviously Leeds, uh, Rhinos, you know, they've got the cricket there and they've got the hotel and the and the um, the rugby league ground and, you know, they do banqueting and, and all that sort of, sort of stuff. So there's definitely revenue streams there. I mean, you talk about um, Ian Lennigan's interest. Do you think, I, I see the council, the Wigan council have sort of backed um, his proposal. Do you think it'll it'll happen or... Is it is it an outside chance? It's hard to say, but yep. without seeing the quality of the other bits, yeah. Um, I I having spoken to him, having spoken to Lisa Nandy, the MP, uh, others involved, I can say that they'll put forward a serious bid, and and it would be well intentioned. My concern, and um. I, the Gerald Krasner, the uh, one of the three administrators looking after this case, he, he he eased this slightly when he went on Five Live and said that his ideal candidate would be somebody who with local or somebody who knew the club. But my concern is that the administrator just gives it to the person who offers the highest money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my concern, then, you know, you, you mentioned very earlier on that was a bad deal that followed a bad deal. You know, the last thing you want is somebody coming into Wigan. I mean, we mentioned we just went through all the assets there and the attraction of it. You know, the last thing you need, mate, is somebody coming in from overseas, selling off a training ground, selling off every single player they've got. You know, fire sale everywhere else on, on mm. other assets, yeah, and walking away with millions. And that's the worry for me. And that's why, and it's no guarantee this, but that's why I think somebody who is local and. This isn't just about Ian Lennigan. This could be about any other, you know, millionaire who's a, who's a, around here, who's interested in the club. But they've got a reputation. They've got Wigan at the heart. They've got, you know, they've got family and friends here. They've got mm. the, 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 the well intentioned, you know, they've got the right intentions. And I think that I hope when the administrators come to picking out a preferred bid, that that's given some weight. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you look at kind of jewels. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sports club owners, there's, there's quite a few examples, um, you know, they've been around different countries and different sports. A lot of, well, some of them seem to have not worked in the past. You could sort of point to Leeds Rhinos and, and Leeds Tykes or, or Yorkshire Carnegie. And I know um, in Australia, the the Newcastle Jets, the, the when Nathan Tinkler, he, he bought the Jets to get to the Knights. Um, and obviously, you know, he was basically full of shit and it all... It all went tits up, but but there are successful examples as well. I think Barcelona yeah. and Real Madrid with with football and basketball. Do you think it would work having you know the a rugby league club and a football club same owner kind of using the same resources? So, so it got a little bit misreported. Um, the, 
the story on um, on Tuesday. But if you read the statement carefully, and I'm not suggesting you didn't, but um, if you read the statement carefully, and having spoken to Ian, um, it's clear that the plan is for one, um, I mean, they've even given it a name already, but one sporting group, mm. with, which includes a stadium, then having below it branched off two separate clubs, Wigan Athletic, yep. Wigan Warriors, completely independent of each other, no crossover in terms of um, administration staff even. Right, okay. independent. Yeah, 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 completely independent clubs. So this is not a Wigan Warriors buyout. And yep. then the situation we've had before where one's a tenant and one's the owner, uh, and that's reversed. That isn't the case. This will be, they would, they would then be on an equal footing, both owned by the same you know, sports, sports, Wigan Sports Partnership. And I think that that structure will go some way towards appeasing anyone who, you know, was reluctant or, or who had any any concerns about getting in close with Wigan Warriors. Interestingly, look, listen, it, I, I've never kind of, I, I get it, but I've never fully understood the hostilities between the two. I think it's stupid, mate. Yeah, that's that's yeah. something that's something it's I wanted unique. to ask you. Yeah. It is. It's unique, isn't it? You you go to Leicester, and there's no Leicester football fans who hate the Leicester Tigers, or or in Hull, you know, there'll be a one of a fan of one of the rugby league clubs and Hull City. I, I've never ever understood it. You know, I I, I know where it comes from. Uh, you know, it comes from, and it, man, it's just it's ridiculous. Where does ridiculous. where does it come from? Where, it comes from comments Maurice Lindsay made in 1980. Like we're talking now about what the current Warriors chairman wants to do. We're talking. It comes from comments I think that Maurice Lindsay made in the 80s when he <laughs> um, disparaging comments. It was really, you know, belittling Wigan Athletic mm. at the height of Wigan Rugby League success. So I can see why back then those people would be pissed off by it. Absolutely, I would. And it's been passed down, and it's grown. And, and I guess people just look for a rivalry too, and they've not, you know, it, it, it's just daft, John. I, I can't. But there would be there would be some people in the town who who support both clubs. I'm sh- I'm sure. Many. Yeah. And what you yeah. also get as well is many people who, and I would go as far as to say the majority of people, if yep. you, if Wigan Athletic is your team. And you don't like rugby league, but hey, third player in a Challenge Cup final, good luck to him. And the other way around, you know, I know so yeah. many people who are yeah. Wigan rugby fans, and they actually, if you like football, they like Liverpool or United or City or Everton. And but Wigan Athletic were in the FA Cup final, they became Wigan fans for for the day. But there's loads of people like that, um, and 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 that's the way it should be. Look, there's a Wigan and Mike Grundy fighting in the UFC in two weeks. I'm not the you know I'm not the biggest UFC fan, but and I know plenty of people who aren't, but I'm sure they'll all wish him well and want him to do well because he's a Wiganer. And and that's, for me, the way it should be. And I've got to say that the, the Latix fans, from having, if social media is any gauge, and I know I know it's not always is, but a lot of them are in support of this. My colleague Paul did a, a vote on Twitter just to say, you know, and would Wigan Athletic fans support the move or unsure mm. or no? And... The majority said they would. You know, ballpoint figures, 20% said they're not too sure and and 10% were against it. So I think having had their fingers burned, 
and I said this week it wasn't so much burned but chopped off with a butter knife. I think Wigan <laughs> Athletic fans, having had their fingers burned by foreign ownership, yeah. I think would, would welcome this move. If this was two years ago, but when Whelan got out, I, I, I think there'd be that resistance for now, having what they've been through, and the uncertainty of the future of a club, and having lost, listen, 75 people they made redundant this week. Yeah, that's terrible. Mate, £125,000 has been raised by fans. And and I think yesterday or today, the Supporters Club have, have paid for the hotel travel, for the away game at Charlton. And oh, the that's amazing. Travel yeah. and, 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 and all of that kind of stuff. So it, it really has had an impact on, on a lot of people. This. So I think um, I think if a local bid, if Leningen got the bid, I think it, it, would, um, it would be welcomed. Yeah, and, and it's important to remember, I mean, Wigan's not a... It's not a mat. It's what about a hundred thousand population, and it's not a rich town. It's you know it's been hit hard by austerity and you know other other financial economic measures as, as well. So that's that's really impressive that the fans have have dug into their own pockets and and to help out the the staff have been re- made redundant. John, within twenty four hours, a hundred grand have been raised. Yeah, incredible. That's, that's outstanding. absolutely incredible. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how much of it's gone to help the staff who've been made redundant either. I think the money has been... The supporters club, I spoke to them this morning. (laughs) I don't know if you remember what happened with Bradford Bulls when all that money got raised and then it kind of got... Yes, half a million, yep. Yeah, well, um, they've safeguarded themselves against that. And and to be fair to the lead administrator, Paul Stanley, he said on Tuesday to me that none of the money would be used to pot for them or for their lawyers and so I spoke to the supporters club today and, and, and the chair, Carolyn Molyneux, she, she confirmed that they're retaining that money and they're just going to hand it over. They're going to pay for it as they see fit. So, so you know, staff need paid in three weeks. That money is for, for them to be paid if, if need be, and, you know, for the away travel and things like that. Yeah, that's great. Well, let's let's move on to, to John Bateman. Um, a bit of a probably... Shall we say surprise news uh, last week? But a real, a real coup for the for the Warriors getting back a you know a world class player. Did it did it catch you a bit a bit on the hop or a bit a bit of a surprise for yourself? <laughs> I think I, I think I spoke to you a couple of weeks ago and said it wouldn't surprise me if four or five players left Wigan this year yeah. and nobody came in, and we've had no confirmations of any exits, even though we obviously know that well, we kind of know that Ben Flower and, and Joe Burgess. Um, and if and they recruited a player, and not just a player, what a player, John Bateman. Um, it it didn't surprise me in the sense that his name came out of the blue, because if you remember when he when he got linked with a return home and there was that inkling that he he might not stay in the NRL and he might come back, it was always Wigan's position was always we'd love to have you back, we'd welcome you back, but people need to realise he's going to have to take a hell of a pay cut if he mm. wants to come back. Mm. So it was, everything was laid out, wasn't it? We knew what Canberra were offering, we knew what the other clubs were offering, and we knew what Wigan would be offering. And what we didn't know was what's in John's head and what's in John's heart. And and even when he says, I'm do, I'll do what's best for my daughter, what's, what define best, mate? Define it, because... Well, you could, you could say earning you know yeah. a couple of million dollars which sets her up for life as well, yeah. There you go. Yeah. So... There's no, there's no wrong move from him in that sense um, for looking after his girl, um, and would, he's just decided to come back. So, would the wrong, uh, would the wrong move have been appointing Isaac Moses? 
<laughs> yeah, he's, I, I think he's been poorly advised. For it. The way it's played out has been poor, hasn't it? Yeah, well, I was I was just listening to um, Triple M podcast and, and on the weekend, and they were they were talking. Obviously, uh, James Hooper and who who broke a lot of the stories about Bateman and had that sort of uh, Twitter stash, shall we say, and and Paul Kent and and they're obviously you know quite close, I think, to to Canberra. What's going on? It seems to be um, that that Moses really you know was the agitator at trying to get Bateman out, and the whole seems a bit of a uh, I don't want to say fuck up, but you know it, it, it seemed very poorly handled. That the fact that He's coming back to Wigan on less money than he was actually on at Canberra, and yeah. you know he made such a, you know, an outstanding debut season. Dallium second row of the year, nearly win a grand final, and and to sort of come back under these circumstances, it is it is strange. But on the other hand, it's great for Wigan. You know they've they've made money on the deal, and it, and it's great for Super League in general too. Yeah, if you well, you say Twitter stash. I don't think Cooper replied to that, but John called him out, didn't he? And called him a. a go and polish your bald head or something like that, <laughs> yeah, something like and, that. and ultimately listen whatever the finer detail of it ultimately the story was correct so yeah it does annoy me a little bit when a journalist gets a bad rap and then he you know when he when he got it spot on um anyway that's just a, a personal gripe <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean if you remember canberra never announced that they'd paid a transfer fee for john and mm, Wigan did that's right um so I'm, I am actually surprised that Canberra have released him from his final year of his contract. Why not say, well, fine, go, but you can you stay here for 2020 and stay for 2021. However, they have. They let him test himself on the open market. I'm not sure if that was part of his, his deal. Um, and from a Wigan point of view, look, look if, if you got past the first 300 words of excitement in the press release, you, you found some telling comments from Chris Rudlinski to say that about the COVID impact, about Wigan will be restructuring next year. So I think right there he's hinting at what I probably spoke to you about, May, about the players who will be leaving this season, who probably won't be replaced. Would not be surprised at all if he went with a thinner squad next year. Honestly, hand on heart, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't spend, if the wage bill next year isn't the same as this year. Mm. Even though, as it stands, they've got potentially free marquee players. Or salaries which will qualify as marquee players mm. um, and geez, didn't that cause up a storm how can he afford him <laughs> <laughs> just just to address that point you, remember some people seem to get that uh, misinterpretation about that marquee player doesn't it about the, the fact that only it means only 150 grand yeah, that's right. but if you can still afford somebody who's on 200 grand then it's fine and you can afford him. And if O'Loughlin's leaving and Joe Burgess and Ben Flower, potentially Hastings, potentially Oliver Gildart, possibly Joe Greenwood, Morgan Escaray's already gone, you know, who else? I think we're going to have a bit of space for next year. And that's why I think Bateman, given what we've just said, that's why I think Bateman's such a good signing because he, I think they might have to do it ugly next year. And I think he's the kind of player who will just get that extra 5-10% out of the players around him. It, Wigan, listen, this isn't a, 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 a shooting a shot at, at, at Warrington because they've done great getting Greg Inglis. Wigan didn't need a player like Greg Inglis for next year. They need a player like John Bateman for next year, in my opinion. They need somebody who can just get that extra 5% out of them. Not a, not a fancy player, a highlights real player. 
he needs somebody like him. And we've seen how determined he is now. He just improves the players around him. And that's why I think he's such a um, such a good acquisition for him. Yeah, well, I mean, I, he's a proven winner, isn't he? And, um, you know, he's he's a cult favourite at, at Wigan. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure all the fans are very happy to see him back. And as you said, it seems like the, the club's academy, what is it? Ten grand final wins in a row in the academy, or something crazy. I mean, that's yeah. that's kind of been that engine to you know keep the the success of the first team going, and you know that production line, and it, and it's still you know you, you see with with Smithies and um, uh, Partington and Havard, and and obviously the the young kid who's off to Canberra now. It's it's still going well. I mean, you mentioned a few players there. Um, looks like Ben Flower going to Toronto. Joe Burgess could be going to Salford. And is, has there been any confirmation that Sean O'Loughlin and Thomas Lulay are retiring, or is that still? Yeah. So have you seen? I think last I think last weekend was the um, deadline for the retention yep. list, wasn't it? For the, I've not seen a copy of it actually. No, no, it, I haven't. It, it isn't just for anyone listening. It's, it's not made public, so we have to kind of see it by any any ways possible. <laughs> um, but but it does usually find its way, doesn't it, of leaking to the surface. So we'll usually, for that. Yeah. But I think I think what's what's usually most interesting on that is the names that aren't on it. So I imagine you'll see on there that Ben Flower and Joe Burgess might not be on it, which mean well Ben Flower certainly, but it would mean that he's already signed a contract with Toronto. Mm. Um I think I believe I'm led to believe Joe Burgess is already returned to Salford, so he'll be in there, Escaray. Uh, our friend Bruno from France has reported he signed a three-year deal with Salford. Sean O'Loughlin is still planning to retire at the end of this year, but there's <laughs> always that asterisk that he might he might well go around again. Um, Thomas Lulawai is also in the same boat, but it's an interesting one, mate. I I think what Thomas will do will depend on what Jackson does, in the sense that. If Jackson Hastings goes, and we're going to have we could do with a halfback, but they have that young Harry Smith coming through, who mm. I think just before the season broke, would just prodded himself and on a, onto a bench spot. He looks and a real sort of, talent. Yeah, he does, mate. And I just think having Thomas Lulawai there to kind of guide him and yep. and just make, just to make sure that he's not expected to play thirty five games next year, I think that wouldn't be a bad option. Having Thomas going round again, you know, you know. Bear in mind, Sam Powell can't play 80 minutes every single week, a hooker. Mm. So Lula White gives you that cover too. Then you've got the option of a Harry Smith and Shorrocks and, and, and Bevan French in the halves. Um, so they have got some options there without having to recruit. Obviously, if Jackson Hastings stays on for next year, which I don't think he would do, but if that did happen, then, then Thomas um, you know, may go over his plan to retire, which would then raise a the question, what happens next? Because... Both O'Loughlin and Lulawai have got deals to join Wigan's coaching staff when they retire. And, of course, next year there's no reserves. So Wigan could find themselves with a luxury of coaches if uh, if that played out. Mm, well, they could do a, a Gareth Ellis-style deal, didn't they? And, and O'Loughlin <laughs> yeah. fill in a, a proper bit. But just on just on Hastings, I mean, I think he's been linked with, with everyone. The, the New Zealand Warriors, the Bulldogs, um, even, even maybe Gold Coast. I think what... If you had to make a call, do you think you'll be in Super League at Wigan next year, or do you think you'll be in the NRL, or even in or, or rugby, rugby union? union? Yeah. Hey, don't rule it out. I mean, Sean Long's at Harlequins is a big fan of that podcast we did together. Was there? There were a few nods and winks, weren't there? Um, 
I, I, I wouldn't. You'd have a better idea than me about how highly he's regarded by NRL clubs. Listen, he's clearly a talent, isn't he? He's such a yeah. good player. Um, I, I wouldn't expect him to be at Wigan this year. Yeah, I don't. It, I, it, I don't. It wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me if he did. Yeah, but because because listen, he's got a good deal at Wigan. He's obviously comfortable here. He's around good players. He's got a decent chance of winning a trophy. It's not like it's a bad option for him. So if there's no if the right options don't present themselves this year, and it has been a pretty messed up year, hasn't it, with COVID? So mm, yeah. clubs, clubs might be getting themselves sorted out. He might well just stay on and think, oh, I'll just assess my options next year. So I wouldn't rule it out. But you're asking me. I mean, if, if you're asking, offering me equal odds on both, I'd um, I'd bet on him on not not being at Wigan in 2021. Yeah, it's, I, I think the talent's not in question. It's just the the temperament and obviously the past with with the Roosters and Manly, and you know word gets around other clubs and whether another club would take a a pun on him or whether they see him as a reformed character. I guess that's the 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 key question. But yeah, he's he's definitely a huge talent. He could do a job at at a number of NRL clubs. I was told that well, there was a deadline for the end of June where he was supposed to tell the club his intentions. But with everything going on with the season um, being disrupted, I mean, bear in mind from mid March to the end of June, you know, it it played that many games, you know. Um, so with the season being disrupted, that has been softened. So he he has effectively till the end of the year to to um, to make his mind up is how I understand it. Um, the interesting one as well is Oliver Gildart. He has a clause in his contract mm. where he could go to the NRL at the end of this year, a year early from his contract. But that's dependent on a transfer fee being paid from a from an NRL club. So whether they front that money, whether Wigan will soften the position on that, it, you know, you know, if somebody comes in with a reduced offer or even no offer at all, to be honest. Um, I'm not too sure. It'd be interesting to follow that one because he's made no secret of the fact that he wants to test himself at some point down under. And if he doesn't go at the end of this year, I think he'd be looking to go at the end of next year. It's no secret he's appointed an Australian agent. Um, he's the same agent as, as Jackson Hastings as well? I yeah, think, yep. and Adrian Lamb. Zach yep. Ardaker too. I think he might have gone across. I'm not sure. Mm, interesting. Um, Very interesting. Yeah. But uh, it's just whether... I don't know. I don't know. I'd love to see Oliver Gildart go over and do well because he's such an attacking threat. But I, I, I keep hearing people question whether it would. I don't know if, whether it's because the reputation of British outside backs in the NRL, you know, they tend not to. Well, I mean, you look well. at George Williams has changed. Just changing that this year, and I think you know the success of Williams and Bateman. Over the last eighteen months, has certainly probably made the NRL even more attractive. Um, and obviously, we'll see how Luke Thompson goes this weekend. Um, but yeah, I think he'll kill it, don't you? Gilda, look, I, th- I think. No, no, uh, Thompson. Oh yeah, no, Thompson. Yeah, I think I really think he will. I think he's he's a world class player, and um, it's just unfortunate for him. He's probably gone from the best team in Super League to one of the worst, if not the worst, in the NRL. But, so. but, but you know, I was thinking this, John. That- do you think, given the position he plays, he might shine even more? Whereas if he was a winger or a half or a, or, or a hooker or a fullback, you'd watch him at the Bulldogs and think he's done nothing. But because he's a prop, I'm just wondering whether he might just elevate him to looking even better. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. That that makes a lot of sense. I think 
he's essentially sort of coming into as 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 um, James Graham Mark II. So there's a bit of pressure on him, yeah. I think, to to live up to massive shoes at at Belmore. But yeah, I think if he makes his trademark hit ups and you know that high energy, oh. you know, and and bust tackles, yeah. then you, you you won't miss him. That's definitely right, mate. We're gonna have to uh, wrap it up, Phil. But we really appreciate your time. That was. Uh, amazing the the inside of what's happening um, in Greater Manchester at the moment. Thanks a lot for the chat. No problem anytime. Cheers, John. That's it for this episode. Uh, thank you very much to our special guest, Phil Wilkinson. Uh, you can get us as always on iTunes, Spreaker, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, all the usual podcasting providers. Um, Follow us on Twitter at ByTheBalls2 and we're also on Facebook. And we will be back again with another episode soon. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.